THN is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Creators like longtime listener and friend of the show Carl Smith and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter. Achoo! Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to the post-landmark episode 501 of the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Book Podcast. Folks, my name is Matt Bob. I really thought we were done at 500. I thought we agreed. No, it's all downhill from here. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> <we> just, yeah. <laughs> I thought we were coasting down that hill already. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the Internet's Joe Patrick on this week's post-landmark episode. We're going to say it twice. (laughs) Matt and I dive into deep reviews of the return of the Umbrella Academy and the new Image Sam Humphreys joint, Blackbird. You have to say it like that. Blackbird. After that, we'll review eight more of this Wednesday's comics during the ludicrous speed round. Then we'll descend the dark spiral staircase that leads to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where we'll discuss our must-read picks for next Wednesday. And finally, just in time for Venom to hit the big screen, the comic pushers are making an appearance that suggests some quality symbiote reads. Joe, we're over the 500-episode hump, so the cash should come rolling in any minute now. Oh, yeah. In the meantime... We better continue to talk about this week's Nerd News! I, uh, all right, get ready for some press release bullshit, because nobody else reported on it. IDW Publishing proudly welcomes Michelle Fifa, creator of the critically acclaimed indie comic Copra, to bring his O'Teal style to the all-new G.I. Joe. I think it's Otter. Otter. His otter style. (laughs) To the new series, G.I. Joe, Sierra Muerte. Written, drawn, lettered, and colored by FIFA, Sierra Muerte will debut in spring of 2019. Uh, Blah, blah, blah. Sierra Muerte, Spanish for Sierra, dead. There you go. Sierra probably means something. (laughs) I think it does. (laughs) In G.I. Joe, Sierra Muerte, a core team of classic heroes goes rogue on a hunt and rescue double mission with everyone trying to thwart Cobra Commander, even Cobra itself. Whoa. Just like the White House. (laughs) (laughs) And with Storm Shadow going AWOL, a pack of America's fighting elite risks life, love, and honor. Love. Yeah. Mm. In this fast-paced one-stop shop adventure. So Michelle FIFA, creator of Copra, not a lot of you have probably seen it. It was sort of an underground darling book. It is truly amazing. It's like his open love letter to the Suicide Squad, mm-hmm. and it was so much better than DC Suicide Squad. Relaunch. I mean, he's gotten he's gotten a ton of great attention from it, and it's led to some high profile gigs. Definitely, um, he is re- he's just coming off a bizarre run on uh, Rob Liefeld's Bloodstrike. Yes, which. It's weird that we are in an age where new comic pros entering the industry grew up during the Reading time. garbage. Right. And they like unironically love yeah. that shit. It's what, you know, it's what pushed him into the industry. Yeah. So I think giving him something like G.I. Joe, they've already proven at IDW that like, look, we can have fun with the Transformers. We can have fun with these titles. Let's yeah. just go nuts. This is a rad idea. Yeah. It's like very much in the same vein of uh, Tom Scioli's. Transformers versus Transformers work, yeah, and um, I, the pro the promo art looks phenomenal. Yeah, it's like it's all of your favorite like 
classic style guys, Duke and uh, rock and roll and Lady J and Scarlet. And it's it like really like tickled something in my brain. Yeah, and it I'm looks awesome. All in. I'm totally in. Marvel announced this week the death of Daredevil. Starting with Daredevil 609, writer Charles Soule will pen his final arc on the series alongside artist Phil Noto, who I freaking love. Yeah, dude. The story titled Death of Daredevil concludes with November 28, Daredevil 612. No issue of Daredevil was solicited in Marvel's December solicitations. Mm -mm. Though the character will appear in the Marvel Knights Anniversary miniseries that month. Yeah. <laughs> In a video Marvel shared with news outlets, Soul explained that he wants to follow in the fine tradition of writers leaving Daredevil in the worst possible situation before passing the book to the next creative team, as when Brian Michael Bendis ended his long run with Matt Murdock in prison, leaving incoming writer Ed Brubaker to resolve the story. Dead is certainly... <laughs> it's on the, that's like a step down. It's, like, even, like, it's, it's pretty high up on the list of bad things right. that can happen. It's like child molester and then dead you know yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> sure uh i don't know i i kind of feel like this uh, we've been here before we've been here plenty of times they're not actually going to kill daredevil and if they do it's only gonna be for a little bit because daredevil season three is coming to netflix soon i mean yeah I, now i don't mean to sound like that but i have not been real impressed with charles soul's daredevil run as it is i just i yeah, couldn't really get it. into it and it's not bad per se it's just not great. It's not hitting me anywhere. And more times than not, I'm like, why am I still reading this? Not Again, not terrible. He's doing a fine job, but he's just doing a fine job. Yeah, like, like I've talked to people that really enjoy it, but I just, I can't, I can't get into it's it. Not doing it for me. I, it just really, I don't know. I'll read this story, you know, I'll, sure. I'll check it out. I want to know what's going on. We'll report on it. But yeah, like the death of Daredevil. Okay. Uh -huh. We'll see. Finally! Wait, let's call a shot. Who kills him? Oh, uh... It's gotta be Bullseye, right? Well, the Kingpin is, like, the main... It's gotta be Bullseye, though. Is Bullseye alive? Y yeah, I think so. I don't even know. I don't either. <laughs> I think so. All right, you say Bullseye. I'll say, um... Uh, uh... Oh, man. Who's the worst Daredevil villain? Big Wheel. Not Stilt, man. Big Stilt Wheel. Man's too easy. Big Wheel. Big Wheel's not a Daredevil villain. <laughs> Big Wheel. You heard it here first. Big Wheel. He runs over Daredevil. <laughs> what? <laughs> Finally, because only James Cameron demanded it, Dark Horse has announced Avatar. This is Avatar. Day. Tootsie's Path? Tootsie's Path. Yeah, Tootsie, I think it's pronounced. Yeah, Tootsie's Path. Yeah. T-S-U apostrophe T-E-Y. Sute. Tootsie. I, I think it's Tootsie. I think it's Tootsie. A comic limited, uh, a comic book limited series from writer Sherry L. Smith. Never heard of her. Nope. And artist Jan Dersima, who I have heard of. I didn't even know Jan Dersima was still around. Yeah. Mm. Uh, she. Well, I don't know what the last thing she drew was, it's but gotta be a long time ago. Like she was pretty big in the Dark Horse's Star Wars yeah. books before they went to Marvel. She's super talented. Uh, this is, of course, set in the world of James Cameron's Avatar. This Hooray. news Hooray. broke on CBR. Oh. My nipples are leaping out of my sweatshirt. <laughs> the six-issue series is the first of Dark Horse's Avatar-licensed comic books. Oh, good. And will tell the story of a Navi warrior whose life is changed by the arrival of humans. Cool. Uh, Dark Horse acquired the license for Avatar in 2015. Look, I hope it's a hit for Dark Horse's sake, but 
I could not care less. Is there still a movie coming? James Cameron's been threatening to make another Avatar movie for like 15 years, right? So Dark Horse acquired the license in 2015. It's taken them three years to do anything with it, with which I think is an apt metaphor for right. Avatar itself because they have planned four sequels Ugh. and none of them have come out. Ugh. Does anyone care? I don't. I want to hear from you. Who still cares about Avatar? I didn't care to begin with. No. And there was, yeah, there were some like idiots who went and saw it four or five times and wanted to live in that world and shit and painted their skin blue. I think they all checked in or killed themselves and they're gone, you know? <laughs> uh, it's not going to be that big if it comes back. It can't, right? It can't. Well, look, man, I don't understand because obviously we're in the minority. That movie is the highest grossing movie of all time. Nah, something passed it, I think. No, no. It's Seriously? still Avatar. Yeah. God. It's made made four billion dollars. Ugh. Yeah, it's. Ugh. I just don't. This is. It's stuff like this that leads to the Trump presidency. <laughs> totally. Right. It's there's just a, like there's a direct yeah. direct through line. I like what that guy's selling. Uh, yeah. Get totally. more than blue fillers. I do not care. No. And that is all of the nerd news for this week. That's there, it. Nothing else happened. Nope. But. Yeah, okay. There's plenty of stories out there. Hit us up on the THN Forums Big News section, or better yet, call us every Saturday from 11.30 to 12.30 Central Standard Time and talk to us live on THN Cover to Cover. It's your nerdy calling show. We can't do it without you. We aren't smart enough to fill an hour with no script. Yeah, we can barely fill 45 minutes with no script. Call us live at 402-819-4894 or leave a message. You can also send an MP3 to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Like you got anything else going on on Saturday? Yeah, give me a break. What are you watching? College football? That Please. shit's fixed anyway. It's review time in the ziggurat where we take turns holding up one of this week's new comics and then we karate kick them in half. Joe, which one of Wednesday, October 5th's comics are you busting in two? Well, I have to say that Black Boy number one really had it coming. Yep. Hi, yeah. <laughs> it's from Image Comics, written by Sam Humphreys, with layouts by Paul Reinwand. Okay. Reinwand. Reinwand. Art by Jen Bartell and Nayoung Wilson, designed by Dylan Todd, edited by Jim Gibbons. I'm going to try to do better about listing most of the creative. Yeah, we should. We definitely should. It's 32 pages for $3.99. Those folks worked hard. They deserve to be mentioned. Sure. Here's your solicit. Nina Rodriguez is positive that a secret magic world ruled by ruthless cabals is hiding just beneath the veneer of Los Angeles. The problem, everyone thinks she's crazy. I know I do. The bigger problem, she's not crazy. What? She's right. What? Can she unravel the mystery before the great beast catches up with her? I don't know. I think that bitch be crazy. Bitch <laughs> <laughs> be crazy. Uh, part Sabrina the Teenage Witch... Part The Wicked and the Divine, Blackbird shows us Nina's childhood filled with magic, prophetic dreams, and profound loss. When we catch up to her in the present day, we find Nina a pill-popping underachiever, unsure if what she experienced as a child was real, and blaming her feelings on her sister, or her dead-end job, or her dead mom. She's obsessed with paragons, aka wizards, I guess. Just like me. Yeah. Uh, Humphreys doesn't really make it clear how Nina knows enough about this mysterious cabal to recognize their symbols or their jewelry or even why they're called paragons for that matter. Apparently, she learned it on the internet. <laughs> That's where you learn stuff, Joe. <laughs> I guess. But I still enjoyed learning about Nina's life and her troubled relationship with her older sister. The dialogue is strong and the relationships between the characters are believable. 
The way Humphreys shows how loss can alter the trajectory of someone's life and alter their relationships is handled really well. Jen Bartel's art is phenomenal. Her soft featured characters remind me of a distant soil's Colleen Doran. Oh yeah. Uh, she's got an excellent sense of pacing and her background work is really strong. Whether it's the crumbling streets of a Los Angeles neighborhood, a seedy dive bar or a palace made of light. Her warm neon colors with help from young Wilson cause the art to jump from the page. It's, it's at the same time, very kind of soft and then it also glows. Yeah. It's, re- it's yeah, really it's, weird. It's a coloring effect that yeah. they go into it that is cool, but a little off-putting. Uh, if I had one criticism, it's that Bartel's figures can be a little awkward when she's trying to depict motion. There's there's a scene, uh, there's a flashback scene when her mom and dad are fighting in the kitchen. Oh, uh, yeah. And it looks like the mom is throwing a carton of milk, but it's just like, it's really <laughs> awkward. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Blackbird, number one, is beautifully drawn. It's a great story with compelling characters. It had a really fun final twist. Humphreys and Bartell are off to a great start here. I'm eager to read more. I'm giving it a buy it. I thought it was really good. I had some of the same criticisms in the sense where like, it felt like our main character just had to know some of that stuff, so she did. Right, yeah. That was the one thing in the and, story where I was like, well, how does she know that they're called Paragons? Right. How does she know what that bracelet Unless is? Unless they're going to uh, unveil something in the next couple issues. But why not do it here? Why not let us know she has a background in this? There's a throwaway line about um, uh, Nina being like obsessively researching them sure. in like online communities. So I guess there's in this world, there are people out there that are like, what's okay. this? And, and that's fair. But it, he breezes by it so quick. Yeah, you could have made that a little more straightforward. Yeah. And then I would have been like, okay, that makes sense. She's a nerd for this shit. Yeah. I mean, I get it. You know, I'm always looking at Bigfoot and UFO shit on the internet too. So yeah, that's where go. I got this Bigfoot with UFO sweatshirt. Oh, <laughs> nice. That's really good. <laughs> no, the art was incredible. Absolutely incredible. And I, I was going to give it a skim it because I was a little iffy on the story, but I think I'm giving it a buy it because the art just really carried the story. Yeah. I'm giving it a buy it. There, yeah. You yeah. The mind. art, the art elevates it. Mm-hmm. Matt bomb. It's been 10 years, 10 damn years. What are those crazy kids up to? Whew. I am reviewing Umbrella Academy Hotel Oblivion. Number one from Dark Horse written by Gerard Way with art by Gabriel Baugh and Nick Filardi. I'm not naming those other people that worked on this book because fuck them. Yeah, fuck him. <laughs> Here's your solicit. Faced with an increasing number of lunatics with superpowers eager to face off with his own wunderkind brood, Sir Reginald Hargreaves developed the ultimate solution. Dot, dot, dot. Now, just a few years after Hargreaves' death, his Umbrella Academy is scattered. Number five is a hired gun. Kraken is stalking big game. Rumor is dealing with the wreckage of her marriage. A rotund space boy runs around the streets of Tokyo. Vanya continues her physical therapy after being shot in the head and no one wants to even mention seance until issue two with a netflix series soon to debut with the award-winning and best-selling superhero series returns stranger than ever and their past is coming back to haunt them wow the umbrella academy does indeed return after way too long and honestly i could have used a bit of a refresher yeah i love the two previous series but it's been 10 damn years since we've heard from sir reginald hardgreaves superpowered children and i found myself a little lost at first. There's always been high strangeness in Way's narrative, but in the case of Umbrella Academy, and when paired with Gabriel Baugh's lovely art, it gives the title this feel of a Wes Anderson script with superpowers. I was pleased that Way didn't go full weirdo as he did with his most recent work on Doom Patrol for the now defunct young animal imprint at DC, but 
there was certainly no refresher here. The reader is expected to either jump in and hold on, or to have slept with their Umbrella Academy comics under their pillow for the last 10 years, waiting for the new series. <laughs> By the last page, I admit I was in love again. Gabriel Baugh's awkward but beautiful line work and amazing character design saved the thickness of Way's script and made me want to revisit both the previous series. While this is definitely not a jumping on point, I don't think it's meant to be. Yeah, but that's dumb. That's dumb. I it's agree, been 10 years. But this is how he's telling the story. This is the next chapter, and it does feel right at home with the last two, and it's just the next story for the Hargreaves children. I'm giving it a buy it, but you do need to be invested. Yes, I'm giving it a buy it as well, and I agree with everything you said. You know, by the time I finished it, I was like, man, I really want to go back and read those. Yeah. Uh, because I only read the second series once, Dallas, mm -hmm. um, and I don't remember anything about it. It was really good. Anything. That's and where Vanya got shot in the head. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember Space Boy being all fat. Uh, and uh, I love how they address it and how he like, <laughs> how he loses his insane beard and stuff. Yeah. That was, it made me laugh. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love the idea. Hotel Oblivion is super cool. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, it's a really fun idea. I'm not going to spoil what it is. Uh, but I really want to know what went on there. Yeah. Because Hargreaves is dead. So that first scene is... In the Some past. years ago. Yeah, it's somewhere in the past. And I don't know if it, if Hotel Oblivion lives in time as we understand well, it. Well, when you see it again later in the book, you can tell that shit went way wrong. Well, yeah. Well, maybe. Yeah. Maybe well, it was always like that when it, you looked outside. We don't know. No, no, no. I mean inside. Oh, inside. Yeah. Yeah. Something definitely went uh, down. Yeah. And so I'm super curious about it. Um, yeah, I agree. You need to do your homework, but... It's so good. And it's it was, homework worth doing. It's homework worth doing. Exactly. And I feel like with Umbrella Academy, Daniel Way is a little bit more reined in yes. to a, a, like a traditional narrative. Yeah. Because like, if you look at Doom Patrol and the fabulous Killjoys and like that book was beautiful. Killjoys was absolutely beautiful to look at. It did not make any goddamn sense. I could. Yeah, I didn't even read it. There, I stopped. There was no narrative. Yeah. There really wasn't. Yeah. And that's not to say that this is not insane crazy bonkers fun yeah it's just you don't need like a there's a story <laughs> yeah you can actually sit down and there, read it yeah and it makes a sense story right when you're done with it you're like yes i understand everything right. that happened at the end of that doom patrol run i still can't tell you what was going on and i don't think the team ever came together mm. oh <laughs> i don't even know yeah yeah you know So that is a double buy it for the return of the Umbrella Academy and a double buy it for Black Boy number one. We'll post our written reviews over at twoheadednerd.com because Matt's throwing a fit and we're going to try to get back into it. Yes. So you nerds can take our quotes out of context and use them against us later, just like with our current political system. Yes. <laughs> but we want to hear from you too. So call us, email us, tweet at us, Facebook us, write your opinions on a near mint copy of Amazing Spider-Man 300 and mail it to us. Sure. Whatever works. Especially that last one. Yeah. But we need to know what you thought of these comics. Maybe write it on the backboard. Don't write it on the comic. Yeah, yeah. Make sure yeah. it's in a... Yeah. Yeah, bagged and board. And then, like, maybe... You know what? Let's fuck it. Write it on the outside of the bag. There you Sharpie go. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there you go. Hong Kong time for Supernova. hi -ya! Listeners, big news. We have a new sponsor. What? Some idiot's throwing us money? Yeah. Oh, my God. A lot. Ugh. A lot of money. 
money. Frankly, it could have gone towards his Patreon. But uh, it's somebody you might be familiar with, a little friend of mine named Carl D. Smith. Never heard of him. A.K.A. Camarillo Brillo. Oh, why didn't you just say that in the first place? That's right. He is the star of such illustrious podcasts as Make Eternia Great Again, which is all about He-Man, and Goad Kicker. And he has a new Patreon where he is putting up all sorts of fun stuff to do with his writing and gaming adventures. The URL is patreon.com slash Carl D. Smith. And this is what you're going to be able to find there. Patron only access to full stories, fun gaming events, breaking news, and even occasional swag. Patrons pay as low as a buck a month. It's charged month to month. There's no long-term commitment. As with all patrons, you can come and go as you please. But it's not just for people that want to pay. There's also free content for public users, including updates and samples of projects that are in the works. Carl has three levels, he calls them, of his work. Uh, One is his all-ages level, where he's got projects like Draw Your Own Adventure and Bigfoot Jones. Uh, He's got uh, something that's appropriate for most ages, horror books like (laughs) most ages most ages uh his horror anthology the horror of loon lake and be careful what you wish for he also has play your own adventure which is a line of game books hex card based solo adventures and full tabletop rpgs then he's got his teen plus stuff only for grown-ups kids his horror books, The Darkness Out of Carthage, which is like Lovecraft meets the Punic Wars. It's fun stuff. Historical fiction. And he's got an upcoming fantasy series, Cardinal Fates. Go to the Patreon now. They're currently in the middle of a live playthrough of his first Play Your Own Adventure gamebook. It's like a choose-your-own-adventure style branching path novella with RPG staples like character creation and dice rolling. All the money you throw to Carl goes exclusively towards leveling up his work. Being able to get his name out there, get uh, his promotion going, it includes uh, tabling at conventions, uh, being able to travel and set up at shows, and all the feedback and encouragement is appreciated, and it's going to fuel his productivity. Guys, Carl's a great writer. He's, he's a, a cr- great guy. He's a creative juggernaut. He this, is seriously. a huge supporter of this show, and he has been since almost the beginning. He made just. He recently made a huge life choice to really chase this, too. And, like, honestly, I think it's absolutely worth throwing some money at this guy, not because he's a friend of ours, but because he's taking a chance. Okay, folks? Go throw some money at Carl's. He quit his job. His family is in a disarray. He quit his job. He ditched his family. If Bigfoot Jones <laughs> isn't a hit... It's your fault. That's right. When we find the body of Carl Smith, it's your fault. All right. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Carl D. Smith. We'll have that right in the notes for this show. Absolutely. Well. Thank you, Carl, for your sponsorship. You're too goddamn sweet to us. As you may have noticed, we will not be in New York for New York Comic Con this weekend. Nope. We'll still be here in the ziggurat. And yes, I was just in New York last weekend because I'm an idiot that doesn't plan stuff good. Way to go. So, instead of wandering the convention halls and hoarding all the exclusives, I'm here with Joe reviewing eight more of this week's new comics during the Ludicrous Speed round. Don't act so excited about it. (laughs) Ludicrous Speed! Go! Sparrowhawk, number one from Boom. Delilah Dawson writes this wonderfully brutal fairy tale of what happens when a dark-skinned girl that doesn't fit into her royal family gets sucked into a fairy world and has to kill her way out. 
lovely art by Matthias Basla with perfectly brutal and proper fairy tale story by Dawson. The art here reminded me of masters like Disraeli mixed with elements of Kevin O'Neill. This book was smart, violent, and just plain good. I'm giving it a bite. Death Orb, number one from Dark Horse. An axe-wielding wasteland survivor carves a bloody path across a war-torn North America ruled over by the mysterious father and his cult followers as he searches for his abducted wife and child. DeForv writer Ryan Ferrier delivers a fast-paced... It's called Dave. Yeah. A fast-paced, hyper-violent story with a very deliberate road warrior, Mad Max-type feel. Writer, our hero in quotes slashes his way through father's ranks in the company of a severed head that gives him prophetic visions. It's totally nuts, and I loved it. Gritty, ugly, and fantastic art by Alejandro Aragon. Death Orb number one gets a buy it. It was fun. I give it a buy it, too. TMNT Donatello Macro Series number one from IDW. This story follows the aftermath of Donatello inventing the Metalhead tech, which is his equivalent of Hank Pym inventing Ultron. Metalhead, I forgot about Metalhead. That's right, it was a whole thing. While I was a little disappointed to discover that Mouse Guard creator David Peterson was only doing the covers, I have to say, Paul Allor's script was thought-provoking and way better than any script about a robot turtle tech has any right to be. Ramavel's art was stripped down as it could be compared to the amazing cover art, but it worked, and I have to give this first issue a buy it. It was shockingly good. Who's the drunk one here, buddy? Star Wars Adventures, Tales from Vader's Castle, number one from IDW. Rebel Commander Lena Graf and her crew are marooned on Mustafar. With their ship destroyed, their only hope for survival lies within Darth Vader's castle. This is a fun, all-ages Star Wars tale featuring Graf and her crew telling spooky stories as they look for a way to escape the Empire. Written by Kavan Scott, the framing sequence features nice art by Derek Charm and the Rebels-centric ghost story drawn by Chris Fanoglio has great animated charm. This is a light, fun read, perfect for kids, and just in time for Halloween, Tales from Vader's Castle number one gets a buy it. Batman The Mask Arkham Dreams number one from IDW. No one will argue that Max creator Sam Keith is a penciling talent that cannot be imitated. His work is truly individual and instantly recognizable. With that said, his writing is not good. And this is coming from a guy that still owns a complete run of the first Image Max and still doesn't understand what the hell happened in that book. Flash forward to today and Batman being the maxed doesn't make any goddamn sense at all, but it sure is pretty to look at. I'm giving it a skim it. Dead Rabbit, number one from Image. Writer Jerry Duggan teams with legendary hitman artist John McRae for this tale of a masked thief that gets drawn out of retirement to shut down a group of child traffickers. Duggan does a great job setting up the legend of Dead Rabbit and contrasting it against his current reality. Spoiler alert. Hemorrhoids. McCray's art is rooted in <laughs> realism. Wait, what? You just have to read it. Okay. But it's exaggerated just enough to make the action pop and the talking heads look interesting. Mike Spicer's colors are appropriately dark and muted with a texture that makes them look painted. I really love Dead Rabbit number one. I'm giving it a buy it. 
The Lone Ranger, Volume 3, Number 1, from Boom. Bob Q is an artist whose name you need to watch for. The guy is sneaky, talented, and can slip himself into any time period he's working in. Here he does Eduardo Rizzo, possibly better than Rizzo himself, with a fantastic script written by Mark Russell that perfectly spells out the problem with barbed wire in the Old West and how the rich tried to use it to control the poor. This was another wonderful addition to Boom's Lone Ranger comics, and it gets a huge buy it. Shatterstar, number one from Marvel. Shatterstar is back in all his double-bladed spiked sword glory, and I was really unprepared for his new status quo as landlord for a building full of wayward interdimensional travelers. It was totally awesome. <laughs> I I really enjoyed that aspect of Tim Seeley's story so much that I was kind of disappointed when it inevitably went wrong. There's some dodgy flashback art by Gerardo Sandoval, but the present day scenes by Carlos Villa are really lovely. This was super fun. I hope it leads to a Pug Smasher spinoff series. <laughs> Listen, I want to talk about Pug Smasher for an entire episode. But <laughs> I know, it's a I really like spoiler. <laughs> I'm giving Shadowstar number one a huge buy it. I loved it. Poor that is your ludicrous speed round and poor it's the sound of Sadie Doyle bravely sacrificing her drink to break the summoning circle and releasing the well, you should probably just read the thrilling adventure hour number three. This onomatopoeia was submitted by JD Gotta Catch Em All via the THN Facebook fan page. If you want to submit an onomatopoeia of the week, onomatopoeia. Poia. Yeah. There we go. Of the week. <laughs> you can shout it at us while you throw your drink in our face, or you can send it to any of our social media, or shoot us an email to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Welcome to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where Matt and I focus the dark energies of the ziggurat and use the eldritch magics of this ancient temple to glimpse the secrets of next week's comics. Yes, yeah. Because we are either really bad or just simple-minded sorcerers, I guess. Matt, we could probably get rich with this kind of power, like fix Washington or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. We can work on that crap later. Right now, I want to tell these nerds about my must-read pick for next week. Go ahead. It's called Infinite Dark. That sounds scary, right? Yeah, that's a lot of dark. From in, It's all the dark. An infinite amount. <laughs> Written by Ryan Cady with art by Andrea Muti. 32 pages for $3.99. Here's your solicit. The universe ended. But on board the Void Station, Orpheus, a skeleton crew of humanity, survived. The last 2,000 souls waiting for a second big bang that may never come. Now, two years into their voyage, security director Deva Carell investigates the station's first murder and the otherworldly motives behind it. Yikes. Fuck, I love creepy sci-fi. And you know what? Andrea Moody, super fucking talented artist. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know much about Ryan Katie, but this premise sounds really cool. I'm in. Joe Patrick, what is your pick? My pick is Murder Falcon. How could it not number be a name one like that? <laughs> from Image Comics, written by Daniel Warren Johnson, art by Daniel Warren Johnson and Mike Spicer. 
It's 32 pages for three ninety nine. I wish I had more knuckles so I could get murder tattooed in one hand and falcon tattooed in the other one. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your solicit from Daniel Warren Johnson, the creator of the Eisner-nominated series Extremity, comes Murder Falcon! <laughs> the world is under attack by monsters and Jake's life is falling apart. No band, no girl, no future, dot, 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 until he meets Murder Falcon. He was sent from the heavy to destroy all evil, but he can't do it without Jake shredding up a storm. Now, with every chord Jake plays on his guitar, the power of metal fuels Murder Falcon into an all-out kung fu fury on those that seek to conquer Earth. It's time to shred. This is like my autobiography. This is just like yeah, me was on like, Wednesday. <laughs> That's the thought of Kung Fu Metal Fury. <laughs> uh, both of these picks were uh, things we talked about on the Drunk Nurse Guide to Previews. That is true. And See, we're, we're picking not, them because they sound good. We're not lying when we tell you to order this shit. Yeah. The THN Trade of the Week goes to Swamp Thing, the Bronze Age omnibus trade paperback. DC Comics, written by Len Wein with art by the abominable Bernie Wrightson. 304 pages for $24.99. Whoa. Holy shit. Cheap as free. Swamp Thing's early adventures are collected in a paperback with Swamp Thing, the Bronze Age, volume one, deep in the bayou of Louisiana. Far from civilization's grasp, a shadowed creature seen only in the fleeting glimpses roars the black waters. There we go. Twisted, vegetative mockery of a man. A swamp thing. These are the tales that introduced Alec and Linda Holland, Anton Arcane, Abigail Cable, the Patchwork Man, the Unman, plus an appearance by Batman. Let's collect House of Secrets 92 and Swamp Thing 1 through 13. Swamp Thing. You are amazing. <laughs> this is the original Swamp Thing shit. If you've never read it and you want to know what Swamp Thing's all about, this is where you go. This is classic stuff. It yeah. is amazing art by Bernie Wrightson. Some oh. of the earliest comics I ever read. Oh, love it, love it, love it. Those are our picks, but we want to know what you nerds are reading too. Maybe we're missing something good. That can't be. Mm -mm. And as always, do the right thing and make sure to add these picks and yours to your poll file. And if you hate them, Call us next week and yell at us about it. There you go. That's what this whole show is about. Yeah. To the nerd with a flamboyant temper. I'll toss that stack in the garbage can. Like blam, get done when I say Shazam. Damn, I feel like the son of Satan. Forget about your dumb hawk toy. Your pool files fat ass bouncing boy. And registers blinking. I'm thinking your cancel shit become bathroom reading. Oh, choking my cash flow. That's why you don't fuck with comic shop, yo. Bro, shop's got to maintain. Or a nerd like me is going insane. Next week, everyone's favorite spidey-hating symbiote, Venom, hits the big screen. Oh, boy. So that means it's time for a visit from the comic pushers. And this time, we're rolling in our Lord Spider Buggy and slinging some highly addictive Venom comics. MC Joey P, why don't you get us started with some must-read Venom product to get these junkies in the mood. I'm right, all right. Uh, so when I think of my favorite Venom stories ever, sure. and there aren't that many. No, I admit... There aren't. Um, I will never forget Amazing Spider-Man 375. It was the 30th anniversary issue of Amazing Spider-Man. Okay. It was written by David Michelinie with art by Mark Bagley. Uh, Venom has kidnapped Spider-Man's parents. It's a long story. <laughs> Don't ask me to explain it. It's a whole separate yeah, podcast. It was a thing. 
uh, and he's taken them to his hideout at the Thrill World theme park in Brooklyn. And of course, they're begging not to be hurt, and Venom explains that he doesn't want to hurt them. He wants to keep them safe from Spider-Man. Meanwhile, J. Jonah Jameson has hired Silver Sable's Wild Pack to track Venom down in order to get an exclusive story, because that's how journalism yeah, works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You call, call a bunch of mercenaries. Right, yeah. <laughs> Eddie Brock's ex-wife gives Spidey a clue to where he may be hiding, and eventually they all end up at the amusement park where there's this huge battle between Spider-Man, Venom, and the Wild Pack. Yeah, they just don't ride them like this anymore. No, do they, they do not. <laughs> uh, as the place erupts in flames, Venom ends up saving the Parkers, and Spider-Man ends up saving Anne, who is Eddie's ex. The Wild Pack is defeated, and with his ex-wife save, Venom is about to attack Spider-Man again, but she stops him. Like, what the fuck, man? Anne does. Anne does, yeah. What are you doing? He just saved me. She points out that Spider-Man risked his own life to save her, and it finally makes Venom realize that Spider-Man actually saves innocent lives, and that killing him would doom all of the people that he would save in the future. Right. So Venom offers to make a deal with him. Venom will no longer come after Spider-Man if Spider-Man no longer comes after Venom. Mm-hmm. And that and it worked. Responsible. Never happened again. Yeah, and then we never saw <laughs> Venom again after that. Uh, so, of course, Spider-Man agrees, and this is what led directly into the Venom's... Uh, this is what leads directly into Venom's longtime status quo as the lethal protector. Yeah, that's where, true. Yeah, Where he's trying to be a better... Dude, but he's still Venom. He's still eating people. No, that came way later. uh, (laughs) Uh, It's got a shiny hollow foil cover. It's got the Wild Pack, who I loved. Uh, Mark Bagley at, seriously, the peak of his abilities. I, like, can still picture. This is very early 90s, right? Um, It would be mid-90s. Mid-90s? Yeah, yeah, pre-Clone Saga, so yeah. Pre-Clone Saga, so yeah, early 90s. 92, 93, maybe. Uh, Yeah, this comic has it all. I love it. Oh, I picked a trade paperback because it contains one of my favorite Venom stories. There's a trade you can get from Marvel called Spider-Man Birth of Venom. And it's basically the first Venom story, where we got this character from. It starts with Secret Wars number eight. Maybe you don't know, but Venom was an alien on Battleworld, where the Beyonder had taken all the Marvel heroes. And that's where we first saw Spidey in the black costume. Now, I think there's a solid argument that they had no idea where they were going with that. <laughs> No, I think they did. Do you? Yeah, because um, the the storyline, uh, Spider-Man 252 through 259, right. that ran concurrent with Secret Wars. I thought it was after. No, there was a, uh, they took, pl- it took place a year after. Okay. Uh, because to, to. Oh, no, that's right. Yeah. Okay, you're right. It took place a year after. Because there's some debate about what counts as the first appearance, because Secret Wars 8 and uh, Spider-Man 252 came out the same month. Right. Amazing Spider-Man 252 through 259 focused on Spidey post Secret War. Yeah, where he with the black costume, yeah. starting to figure out that maybe there's something going on here. Amazing Spider-Man 298 and 300 is when we first saw full-on Venom, mm-hmm. separate costume and everything. Then this also contained Amazing Spider-Man 315 and 317. So Fantastic Four 274 was when Pete came to Mr. Fantastic and was like, "No, I need help." No. Fantastic Four 274. That happened in Spider-Man. That happened in Spider-Man. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic Four 274, I believe, is when the uh, costume escapes. Yes. From the Baxter building. Yes. And that leads directly into Web of Spider-Man number one. Which leads me to 
What a long and winding road. <laughs> My favorite <laughs> Venom story. Yeah. Web of Spider-Man number one with an amazing cover, by the way. Oh, yeah. Charles Vess. Yeah. I will never forget that cover. It's like the Spider-Man in the black costume standing on top of like a building that's sort of looking up at him and he's kind of creepy and the moon is behind him. It's oh, yeah. man. So cool. It's a very good cover. After defeating the alien symbiote with the help of Reed Richards, Peter Parker worries that the symbiote will somehow escape. And, of course, it does. He discovers that his fears are warranted when the symbiote attempts to stop him from checking in with the FF, leaving Spider-Man to fight for his life against the symbiote's suit. Things only get worse when the Volturions show up. And I want love a piece those of stupid Spidey as well. I love those stupid idiots, the Volturions. <laughs> they came back a couple times, too. They I love did. Them. I remember picking up that Web of Spider-Man comic book. I was not reading Spidey at the time because I was obsessed with the X-Men. Mm -hmm. during those years but i had to buy that comic because it was so fucking cool looking and then it was over i was in i was a venom fan like i had to see where this was going oh this was pre-todd mcfarlane and all that shit yeah yeah um greg larock yeah greg larock um he ended up uh doing a long run on the flash for yes. dc after that he did um but yeah i love that comic book i oh, bought it off the rack it's incredible yeah book. it's it's so fun uh, my next pick is a trade as well. It's Ultimate Spider-Man Volume 6. So it's kind of an alternate take on the Venom uh, idea. It's written by Brian Michael Bendis. Again, art by Mark Bagley. Yeah. In Marvel's rebooted Ultimate Spider-Man, Eddie Brock Jr. is Peter Parker's childhood friend. And Venom was a creature genetically engineered by their scientist dads in order to cure cancer. Didn't work out. Both dads died mysteriously in the same plane crash after trying to steal back their research, and this black ooze is all they have left of their of their dads right. of their work. Of their dads' work, not of their dads. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be weird. Peter sneaks into the lab where the organism is being contained one night, and it takes over his body, makes him bulletproof, and he's finally able to spin webs on his own without web shooters. He loves it. It's very impressive, but he almost immediately realizes how dangerous it is after he almost kills a criminal, uh, and because the costume goes like full toothy yeah. venom style, big time. He destroys the sample, but he doesn't realize that Eddie has another. Eddie is, of course, mad that Peter destroyed the last thing left from his dad, and he takes it upon himself to stick his hand into the goo. <laughs> and because he's far weaker... You would do it, too, if you were that Yeah, bad, you know what? You would totally do it. I'd probably just drink that shit. And, of course, because he's not as strong in body and mind, he becomes Venom. Yep. Uh, so it's a pretty fun alternate take. I think this sort of genetically engineered version of Venom is going to be a lot closer to what we get in the movie minus oh, yeah. the Parker connection. Right. There's no outer space shit. Yeah, it's not going to be Planet of the Symbiotes or everything. We don't have time to get into the Beyonder, okay? The Venom <laughs> movie. It's probably only like 98 minutes long. Yeah, exactly. My next pick is Agent Venom, numbers one through five. You can get this as a trade. It's written by Rick Remender with art by Tony Moore. The I don't think it was actually called Agent Venom, though. That's what the trade is called. It was just called Venom. It was their yeah. run. Mm -hmm. The world was introduced to an entirely different version of the symbiotic anti-hero in this series, which saw a friend and a former bully of Peter Parker step into the role of Venom. This is when Flash Thompson got the suit, mm -hmm. basically. Flash had no problem controlling it, because Flash is a strong guy. He had 
lost his legs at this point, mm-hmm. and the Venom suit gave him like a chance to be a hero again. And he immediately picked up guns. <laughs> I think he made them. No. He, yeah, no, I think the suit made them. He could, I think he could pick up guns and the suit covered them and he could like shoot like Venom bullets and stuff at him. I don't think he could make guns yeah. so much because he had like an armory and shit. But regardless, it was this whole new take on Venom. It was a lot of fun. And you still had like, the suit was still bad and it was still causing problems. But Flash was such so strong in personality that he could handle it. Right. But they had a fun thing in there where like the his handlers or whatever. Right. It's like you can only have the suit on for like 48 hours at right. a time. They kept taking it off of and him. And then you have to take a break. Because they were afraid it was going to pervert him. Because uh, he'll become Venom. And like he was more in love with the fact that he could walk again than mm-hmm. anything else and it sort of blinded him to the fact that he was slowly being taken over by the costume and yeah it's a super fun idea it was great and of course it could never last because you knew that it was gonna have to come around to yeah, we gotta get Eddie back Brock to, again eventually. I'm gonna eat your brain Venom yeah, you know? I'm gonna eat your brain <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's a good pick you may notice we did not mention any of the most famous Venom stuff out there the Todd McFarlane Venom work. Well, the Todd McFarlane stuff is in that first trade you talked about, it but is. that wasn't your pick specifically. That was not. And you know why? I went back and read some of it because I was like, well, yeah, you got to go here, right? It's not good. It oh, is no. not good stuff. It is very pretty to look sure, at. Sure, right, yeah. And as a kid, that fucking Venom haunted me. I loved Todd McFarlane's Venom. It was so cool. It was not well written. Save yourself. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> we also didn't mention Lethal Protector. Well, I mean, I mentioned it. Yeah, but I mean... But it's not very good. <laughs> no, it was not good. Also, um, Venom Lethal Protector is uh, what started Marvel's trend of making new versions of yeah. Venom. Like it led kind of straight the into... The Lady Venom. It led and, into Maximum Carnage, right? Uh, maxim, maximum Carnage did come later on, but yeah. Um, yeah, no. We got Toxin. No thanks. We got Carnage. She Venom or whatever. No, her name was like sh- not Shriek. Shriek. Later on, she was Shriek. No, Shriek is a different character. I forget her name. It doesn't matter. But Shriek was They're another terrible. female symbiote. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe there are two Shrieks. I can't remember what the female Venom was. It Toxin? Was that her? No, Toxin was a dude. Um, Wasn't there someone named Cancer too? I don't think so. I think there was. They were all so forgettable and stupid. Right. In Lethal Protector, there's like five or six of them. Yeah. And there's like, they're like a squad. Yeah. That was back when Marvel was like, oh, you like Venom? Here's an army of them. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, it's not, it's not great. No. But we would love to hear your Venom picks. Perhaps there are some that we're missing that we didn't mention here, you know? Throw them at us. Let's hear what you got. We got to go see a Venom movie next week. It's probably going to be a piece of shit, but we're all going to go do it. We'll be reviewing it next week on the show. I expect that you do the same. I'm going to want to talk about it next Saturday, kids. Excelsior! That is it for THN 501! The biggest episode since 500! But before we get out of here, Joe Patrick, I need you to set up a new question of the week. All right. This week's question comes once again from Trevor. I guess... The Gooch? He's another Goocher? He's a, he's about to get replaced if Trevor has anything to say about it. Jesus. Uh, this was via the THN forums. What is the worst thing you've ever seen happen to a superhero or superhero team? Hmm. Is it Batman getting his back broken only to pass on his cape and cowl to a madman? 
Is it Captain America having his life rewritten by a cosmic cube and betraying everyone he's ever known and loved by leading Hydra? I would argue becoming a werewolf was even worse. (laughs) (laughs) Or is it the X-Men watching a teammate die again? And again, in perpetuity. Oh, man. Now, we're talking things that happened after the hero was already established. Right. So nothing about exploding Kryptons or Uncle Ben's or Dead Wayne's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like something that happened well into their career. Yeah. Or the team's career. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Love it. Kids, THN is a listener-supported podcast, and we want to thank everyone that floats this nerdy boat by donating on PayPal and Patreon. Without you nerds, we can't afford the sweet hydraulics on our spider buggy replica. It goes like boosh, 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 boosh. <laughs> And thanks to our new sponsor, Carl Smith. Yeah! Head over to his Patreon and throw that dude some love. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to legendary Batman artist Norm Brayfogle, who passed away on September 24th at the age of 58. The artist suffered from a stroke in 2015 and struggled with his health in the years to follow. Brayfogle is considered one of the definitive Batman artists, primarily for his work with writer Alan Grant. Oh, yeah. With whom he co-created characters like the Ventriloquist, Mr. Zazz, and Anarchy. I love Anarchy. Many others. <laughs> for many fans of a certain age, Brayfogle's Batman is our Batman or do you, Norm? He's a super. He was a super nice dude. We got to meet him once. Yeah, he gave the Krypton. You never heard bad stuff about Breakfogle. Thanks for all you gave us. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics, or your retailer might just put his hand up your butt and make a ventriloquist dummy out of you. This is the two-headed nerd. Yikes! Signing off.